back to back to back podcast. Not back to back to back, but back to back. Back to back. Here we go. Back to back podcast here. No, back to back to back. Three in a row. Back to back to back. Maybe it's just back to back. I don't know. But anyways, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. My name is Justin Belanger. Once again, thank you very much for tuning in. I always appreciate it. Today on the podcast, we have Mike Couch. Yesterday, we had Matthew Highmore. The day before that, we had Ethan Phillips. The day before that, we had Brad McCharles. A busy week here for the high button. And honestly, the reason why we've done so many podcasts this past week is, I don't know, I just want to get a lot of work done here before a lot of these hockey guys end up going back. I guess some of it is, you know, I know summer's wrapping up and I enjoy working, uh, looking out at the sun. I don't, I don't know what it is, to be honest with you. I just, I've really, uh, I love doing this podcast. I love sitting down and talking with uh, people that have great stories, people that have tremendous talent. And the more I get to do it, the more happier I am. It's almost like a, a sense of therapy for me. The, the more I get to sit down and have a long conversation with someone, the more, I don't know, the, the I guess the happier I am. I feel in modern day society, when you go out and you talk to people, it's it's short length conversation. It's it's the roundabout. It's how you doing? How's life? How's the family? This weather's crazy. Did you check the game last night? And then the conversation's over. And not that I'm, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Most people end up having that conversation, but for some reason, a long form of conversation is extremely beneficial to me. Not to be selfish, but I learn a lot. Um, I get to hear about other people's lives. Uh, and that, oddly enough, is interesting. I think the reason why I started the podcast is, you know, living my life, doing the things that I've done, playing hockey. I've traveled around the world. I've uh, I've met some great people, but I know that there's things beyond that that, uh, that can be taken in. And, you know, sitting down here and you're learning about other people's lives, it's almost like a movie. You, you know, you sit down here for an hour, some guy talks to you for a bit, and you learn a little chunk of their life. And that chunk of life can be interesting. Think about all the stories that I haven't heard, that you haven't heard. And at least for me, I, I want to hear every single story I can. I want to sit down and talk to every person I can. And uh, that's that's kind of the motivation for the High Button podcast, really. And this guy that we're having on today, Mike Couch, to talk about a guy that has a ton of stories, talk about a guy that's played on numerous hockey teams around the world, who's met a bunch of people, and I think that's due to the fact that he has a bunch of stories, traveled around the world, Europe, played on a bunch of hockey teams, he's trained with all the top guys here in Halifax, and uh, you combine all that with... I don't even know how many years he's been playing, 20 years, 15 plus years, you're definitely going to come up with some stories. So he actually just got back from Italy. He was also over in London, I think he said, doing hockey camps. And he just got back to Halifax, I think he said the 12th of August. So it's the 16th now. So he just got back four days ago. Uh, Early podcast this morning. It's 8 a.m. Well, it's 7.30 a.m. right now, but the podcast is going to start at 8 a.m. I've never done a podcast this early before. I'm not going to lie. Maybe my people say when you wake up early, that's when your creative juices are flowing. Maybe we'll put that to the test right now and we'll see how well this podcast goes. But uh, earliest podcast I've ever done, 8 a.m. Woke up. I haven't even brushed my teeth yet. I'm doing that after the intro. I should maybe give you a little bit of a rundown of how I start the podcast. So essentially before the uh, the guests get here, 
Uh, I sit down in my chair. I pull the microphone out, obviously. And I just speak my mind freely. I feel it's a great breakup in between podcasts before we start uh, the interviews, obviously, if you've listened to the podcast before. Uh, I'll add a little music at the very beginning, maybe a song that uh, is fitting my mood. Uh, if you notice when you start playing the podcast, there's usually a different song every time. So I'll pick a song. I'll go on YouTube. Uh, you know, I'll go for like a nice 20-minute scroll through youtube find a song that i like apply it to the beginning of the podcast fade it out and then start my little rant which i'm doing here right now uh then i'm after i trust me i'm not happy every time i do my rant sometimes i'll fuck up and i'll want to redo it uh but for the most part i'm getting better at it i remember when we first started this i had to redo the intro Jesus, probably 10 times. It got so annoying. And probably there wasn't really anything wrong with it, wrong with my intros. It was just, uh, I was too, um, I don't want to say hard on myself. I was just too, I, I critiqued myself a lot in those early days with those podcasts. I just didn't think it was up to par. I didn't think people would like them. And then once you realize that, you know, you're just ranting on, you're just talking about your day, you're talking about the person that you're having on the the, the podcast guest, you're talking about their life. It's There's nothing really wrong with it. The more, it's just like riding a bike, these podcasts, man. You, you know, you, you get on the bike, you keep paddling, you keep... Or, pedaling not paddling pedaling you keep pedaling the bike you keep pushing and then the next thing you know you're up riding a bike that's the exact same way I feel about this podcast I used to feel uncomfortable talking into the microphone knowing that people were listening but I knew that there was something there that I truly enjoyed and now like I said I just got out of bed 7 30 a.m. I don't even second guess pulling this microphone out and talking into it it's, it's like second nature to me now and I think that's a true definition of if you want to do something in this life, just keep showing up. Uh, well, I wasn't the best at this. I'm still not the best at this. I want to be. But if you just keep showing up and doing something that you love, you're going to be fine. Relax. It doesn't matter what you're doing in life. Just keep showing up. Keep putting a positive effort into whatever the hell you're doing. And you're going to be all right. All right. So everyone, I hope you're having a great day. My name is Justin. We're talking to Mike Couch. We're going to have some great stories today. Hi, Button. You know what comes next. Here we go. All right, Mike, second time around. How are you? Not too bad. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. The people I uh, I guess I paid off to get me back <laughs> kind of worked out here. What, what the second the the first time you came on, the amount of feedback I got from just walking around. Like I remember I was in uh, it was, I, was, I was actually in Cleves and a guy came up to me. He goes, "Hey, Mike Couch, he like, I'm like, no, I'm Justin. He goes, no, I know, but like the Mike Couch episode is great. I was like, oh, thanks, man. I'm not even joking. Like, wow. it, it was, I got put well, on the map a little bit from it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I've got my, uh, I've got my web tangled around a few different circles. So, um, like we were just mentioning there, the hockey world and the connections you can make. I mean, if I've given my life to the game, and the game has given me so much in return. Yeah. Right. As much as the last episode was a pretty heavy and serious talk because, hey, that's what I went through. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had a ton of fun and like I've lived a great life aside from some of the darkness that comes with that. But like anything in life, whatever comes with good, you've got to take the bad with it. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, I had some people re I had a ton of people reach out as well. Um, so thank you guys for giving me a, a platform to, to share my story or whatever. Dude. But 
obviously this time we want to have a little bit more fun and smile and, and shoot uh, shoot the breeze a little bit better and uh, so let's uh, let's get into it well let's start you know let's start today's day and age Q camps just started yeah do you remember when you first started going into the Q camps were you a little nervous what, what was the mindset going into camps right now back when you were younger the biggest thing for me was like the adjustment to hockey starting middle of August Oh yeah, right. It's like, hey, it's August fifteenth. You're going to camp. Let me cut you. Let me cut you off. Do you agree with that or no? That it starts this early? I don't. Yes and no. Okay. So when we when I was going through it, it was different, right? I mean, like we would bring eighty guys to camp, right? I mean, my first couple of years with the Mooseheads, like it was it was awesome because it was just a circus. I mean, we'd go. I mean, you got to remember growing up when I was growing up, we'd go to the Cole Harbor place, the open tryouts right like the first three days of camp was just like a circus How fight so? after oh. fight because it was no penalties right if you took a penalty it was a penalty shot so you had to chase the guy down the ice and if you fought they would just throw you in the box and to, for like a minimum of two minutes until basically you got your breath and got your gear situated or stitched up if you had to and then as soon as the next whistle blew they'd let them out of the box and the guys would be going at it again like, and you'd look up top and you'd see the brass sitting up there in like the press box evaluating, and there'd just be these two pigeons just slugging it out. Like, you know, and then it was like two minutes later, there was another one, right? I remember my second or third year is when the league finally, because I mean, we play Cape Breton every friggin' playoff game or uh, every preseason game in Moncton. So, like, it was fucking fight central i remember when jules eddie larock came on he was showing me that fight before the game even started yeah, on like the ice. warm up yeah right so then the league had to step in and was i'm pretty sure it was because of hell like us in cape Breton. it was like okay maximum five fights per preseason game per preseason game. <laughs> <laughs> and then any fight after that like coaches got suspended was a fine all this stuff and so it was like basically the first you know, before the game started, we're in warm up, and you could, see, and there was guys obviously like that could fight, and were like support guys. Like, you know, I mean, we were going through it was like me, Bobby Clark, uh, Randy Upshaw, like just guys. The way we played, we were like it kind of came to us. It wasn't like we went looking for it, but then you obviously had your your top tier guys and your second tier tough guys or whatever, and then the supporting cast. So like we'd basically just let the big dogs sort out who they wanted to. And then it was like, if anybody came calling, we'd fill out the roster. But well, back then there's more of a role for that on a team. You know, if you go to a tryout now, I'm sure you get no fights because there's not that many roles for it. Well, that's it. And plus there was more than one guy, right? Exactly. Like you, every, I mean, you go back like, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands, like it was just, you know, you see guys with 150 points and then you see guys with 500 penalty minutes. It's like, yeah. okay, what's going on here? And then you look at other leagues and it's kind of like averaged out like an 80 point guy. And then you have like, you know, guys in the, in the Western League that are like, you know, 80, 80 points, 80 penalty minutes, maybe a hundred point guy with, you know, 60, 70 penalty minutes. But like, I'd like back in like the queue was just a circus, man. Like you just go through the list of, of guys that, every team like it'd be like a sunday afternoon in Schwinnigan and like sabroka would be cruising around out there you go to victo and they'd have friggin a handful of guys it was just like you Come know on. yeah like it's just like well, i want to go home <laughs> you know and then like we had i remember one time we were in we were literally in Schwinnigan and and hugo who like god bless that guy soul one of the best teammates you ever had right like he would show up it didn't matter who it was 
and he was fighting up a weight class, maybe two most nights, right? And it got to the point where we were just like, dude, <laughs> you don't have to every night. Like, just, you know, take and take the night off, right? And, I mean, some, some names that people remember from, you know, like Colby McIntyre, Nathan Vino, and those guys, right? Again, same thing. Those guys, I remember training camp, their first two, like, their first years together, like, Colby McIntyre's face was like held together by like glue, stitches, band-aids, and every and he was still going out and doing it. Ugh. And we're like, dude, like it's preseason, like you know, you don't have to. We know you can do it. He's already on the team. Yeah, too. basically, no. we're like, we know you can do it. Like maybe work on you know stick hand a little <laughs> bit or tape to tape pass or you know some of that stuff too, right? We know you got that down. Oh man, like these guys were just like, oh, they're gonna like cut me if I don't do it. We're like, <laughs> no, like. <laughs> just chill out for two seconds. Let's do a little skill development. Like, just whatever. I think these guys were nuts. Just complete lunatics. But, I mean, I respect it because, you know, I did a lot of it. And I got my fucking ass handed to me a bunch, like, yeah. especially in pro. But, you know, it was just, it's a role that guys accept and you needed it. And those guys, I mean, we, I don't, you, we, I'd be surprised if those guys ever, you know, paid for a beer or dinner. I mean, we made sure that we picked really? up everything, especially in pro when I started to learn and respect more about like the mental side of that and understanding why guys did it and, you know, the purpose behind it and all that stuff. You just understand more of the game versus being, you know, a 16, 17 year old kid, deer in a headlight, smiling from ear to ear because you got the best seat in the house in the middle of the bench, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's, you know, yeah. so it's, it is what it is, but, um, you know, a lot, most of those guys too end up being like the greatest teammates in the world. They end up being the guys that always want to be, you always want to be around. Yeah. So, and plus they bring just a different dynamic, right? Just a lighter side to everything. They're not the most serious dudes when it comes to yeah. practice and, you know, systems and meetings and things like that. You know, it's, it is part of that gig. It's like kind of being the court jester too in the locker room, right? Like it's just kind of accepted that you guys can kind of, goof off and you're expected to tell us stories and keep us entertained and that's the best part of hockey not the one of it's one definitely one of the best parts that i miss just shooting the shit with the boys going to eat out after the game just talking about the game and oh man that's man like just the best dinners (laughs) like that's i I, that's the biggest thing i miss is like dinners dinners on the road with the boys like you know just sitting around you get the bottles of wine going whatever and you're just chatting it up and then Something ridiculous happened the night before, you know, then you see catch a couple guys sneaking into the restaurant or the bar side that are on dates or whatever that were on the road. And it's just like, you know, it's was just that like, frowned upon back in your day? Because when I played, there was like, hey, no girls in the room, nothing. Has it always been like that? Or no. Was that, okay, because it was a thing when I played, like I no mean, girls. We, yeah, I mean, junior, probably a different story because there's a lot more control there and you, and you kind of have that fear of like, Hey, I don't want to, you know, get caught or whatever, but in pro it's, you know, I learned early on, if you're going to go hard at night, you better go twice as hard the next day at the rink. Right. Like I've heard that before and it's not uncommon, but you've got to be able to do it. Right. Like people talk about, Oh yeah, I don't get hung over. I, you know, like, but you have to do it. Like when your job is on the line every day or you got some little whippersnapper buzzing around trying to take your job and you've been out till like 4 a.m., you know, 4 a.m., it's just like, 
what just happened? I just went for lunch and now it's like 4 a.m. Like, where are we? And it's like, I got to go home or got to get back to the hotel, right? So What's it's the just, key to waking up and doing it? Just pra- practice. Practice. <laughs> yeah. Do it a lot. Some, some, some guys are just... You just have it, right? Like some guys can just do it. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm sure you have buddies that you're just like, when you go out, you're like, how the fuck does that guy do that? How does he put that much back into him? Or how does he just, it doesn't phase him? Or you got those guys that are like, you know, the same from like one to five drinks, but then they're like, there's nothing changes like from five to 50. Yeah. Right? They're just like a puddle from one to five. And then it's just like, that's the way they are the rest of the night. Like there's no, they don't get any worse or any better. So it's just kind of one of those things where, and guys start to gravitate towards other guys that are like that, of right? Of course, yeah. So then it's, you know, I, I've played with guys where <laughs> first year guys, first year pro coming in and they'll be on the road with a, excuse me, with a, have a roommate who's, you know, returning or second, third year guy. And well, next road trip, it'll be like, yeah, you guys aren't rooming together anymore. And like start breaking guys up because some of the young guy, like they just couldn't hang, like they can't do it or they're not used to that. And I'm not saying everybody's like that. Like, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, not yeah. every athlete is a disaster, but it just, it's common with hockey because of how hard the game is and how torturous it can be on your body and your mind that you need that time with the boys. And again, not saying it's healthy to go out and get banged up, but like, if you don't have a release, whether it's through something, you'll go stir crazy. You'll go absolutely bananas, right? Because yeah. it's the game. It's so hard, right? And it doesn't matter what level you're at. You talk to guys in the NHL, like the stress of not being able to score. Like how hard is it to score in that league? It's fucking impossible, right? Like, yeah. So, you know, you get that stress. You go to the minors. It's like, oh, am I going to get a shot? Or am I stuck here forever? Am I going to get sent down? And you get the next level down. And it's like, geez, I got to get out of here. What a what a hole like I hate my life right so just the stress of every level it's just different and magnified depending on your job and where you're at but if you don't have that time with your teammates to really unload and and forget about it and plus when you're on the road too it's nobody knows who you are right like you yeah. could you're so undercover in 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 cities like it's it's just a bunch of dudes walking around well dressed exactly. fit yeah got some money in the pocket you know Anything but but i mean like if you're in dallas or you're in arizona like your people aren't noticing you like you're not pulling up in a you're friggin right, mercedes yeah. like or sorry a ferrari in front of the bar you're just like you could be a tourist you could just be a regular call you could be whatever right yeah so it's not like you you'll know, play a role almost exactly you know, you know absolutely guys all the time yeah. you know pull out the alter ego we used to have a <laughs> we used to have a box i'm not gonna tell you what team it was on but we used to have a box and it used to say road mass and like just like crayon written on a box that said road mass right and when I, if we were heading to the airport or we were coming back from it yeah one of the guys would get up with the with the box and walk down the bus <laughs> and you would just see guys like throwing stuff into the box or taking stuff out depending on where we were at in the trip that's amazing oh yeah it's wedding rings going in there and like cell phones and then like the bat phone becoming out oh and, like my God. you know alter ego names like it was just i mean you're talking grown ass men too, right? Like guys in their like thirties and stuff. And it's just like, Hey, whatever, man. Like that was the bet. Like, again, it's, you can be whatever you want to be away from the rink and, and just on and then and be loose and have some fun. But then when it's time to show up, you better show up. Right. Cause the one thing too, you got to remember, there's always somebody better than you. There's always somebody who wants it more than you, who can do certain things better than you. Right. So it's a matter of, 
how bad do you want to stay and yeah. how like or how bad do you want to get there and how bad do you want to stay i'm going to tell you a story one time we were in uh, montreal i was 22 years old i was done playing hockey but i was going through those uh not playing hockey blues like you know when you go you're probably going through it now a little bit like yeah yeah a little not, bit i did go through it for sure you know like so i was going through that and i was like fuck i just wish i was playing and we're in montreal so i just said fuck it i'm saying i play for the canadians <laughs> so I, I go on my phone of all teams yeah. <laughs> so i just go on my phone we're in a club and i just put in my phone as a new contact pk suban yeah so i'm talking to these girls right now i'm like hey what's up i'm like oh hey what's up i'm justin nice to meet you and Thank God they didn't say, like, pull up your Wikipedia or anything like that. But they're like, hey, look at my phone. Like, my friend's PK Subban. I'll call him right now. So I just pretend to call him. I'm like, hey, man, come down. Like, come down to the club. And they believed me. No way. Oh, my God. And then the next thing you know, I'm not going to tell you what happened after that. But I just imagine. You can pretend to be anyone you want to be if oh, you yeah. can sell it. Like, you're kind of a douchebag for it. I probably was that night. But it's fun going and traveling the world and just being who you want to be for a bit oh yeah for it's, sure it's fun to get away yeah uh, a buddy of mine actually luke gazdick he did a backpacking trip through southeast asia by himself <laughs> a couple years like two summers ago so he uh <laughs> and i was just like okay because i mean i travel a lot and i and i've done a lot of traveling you know not really by myself other than like flying to meet buddies or going to on golf trips where i'm meeting people right like i don't really count that as traveling alone but he was like you know one of those like soul searching trips or whatever and it really got the the wheels cranking in, in my head and i was just like so he kind of planned like his flight and some very loose loose things around there. So then he could basically fly by the seat of his pants. So he'd be like sitting at a bar one night drinking and he'd run into whoever, a couple of people. And they're like, oh, yeah, what are you up to? And oh, I'm traveling back by whatever. And, oh, we're going to hike up a mountain at like 4 a.m. and watch the sunrise. So he'd be like, oh, fuck, I'm in. Right. So he would have like loose plans where if he met up with like strangers that were doing something cool, he would tag along with them. That's right? the way like, to do it. But, like, how ballsy is that? Yeah, it's really ballsy, but that's it's, life. I know, but, like, I don't know too many people that could be like, I'm going to go to Southeast Asia by myself with a backpack, right? And just, and then to, to you know, to make matters worse, he loses his phone, like, a week in. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, like, Ugh. so, I mean, he's, you know, he, he was doing it for life after hockey, right? Like, he's getting up there and he's no longer playing in the NHL and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, he starts journaling and reflecting on things. And it really, so I'm like, man, I got to do that. So I started chatting with a couple of my buddies that are in the fellowship. And one guy has a place in Costa Rica. And Costa no. Rica is like a real, like, you know, recovery oriented. I mean, obviously my friend's going on Monday. Yeah. Like I heard surfing like, community. Yeah. Like beach. it's real, really laid back, like a lot of health and, and fitness oriented, like, you know, lifestyles and, and the, you know, the concepts of all the country, they're putting a ton of money in the infrastructure there. Obviously San Jose is a major city. So you're going to run into, you're going to have that city feel anywhere you go if you need it, if you're going to party, but Obviously, that's not why I'm interested in going anymore, but, like, he's got a place there, and he's like, whenever you want to go, like, I'll flip you the keys or, you know, like, hey, come down with me, and I'll kind of show you. Because, I mean, you can do, like, tourist things. You yes. can do, like, business stuff. You can do whatever. I like the, the rainforest in there. They got, like, the zip lining, the mountains, the volcanoes. Like, you name it, right? So 
I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna try to give that a whirl. I'm gonna go down with the gentleman who, who owns it and just kind of get a feel for like you know so I have a, a lay of the land. That's and then, awesome. And then if I want to go down with like if my mother wants to come or my sister and her ne- and her kid or if I want to take a couple buddies, then at least like there's different things for different people and then at least I'm not going in blind and I can say okay who am I going with and design a trip or a visit around whoever's coming right yeah. so, and he's like and with that country you can stay for six months no questions asked oh eat cheap drink cheap I'm sure you don't want to everything. drink as much but like yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but everything just the cost of living and just being down there um had another buddy go down there recently uh, from here and he was like his bathroom and half of his room was like opened into the into the jungle so wow. like you're taking a shower and you look up and you're just seeing like the rainforest and things like that so pretty epic if you if you ask me and if you you know not everybody gets opportunities to travel i've been you know fortunate enough to to again have have my web tangled around people that that have connections in places so you gotta take advantage of them while you while you can right yeah I know a family that lives actually just down here in Clayton Park, and they have a, a home in Costa Rica, and they've had it for as long as I've known them for, and they get there every single summer. Big surfing family. Yeah. And they'll be there three months out of the year. They're pharmaceutical family. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? So, and they're just there, and uh, whenever I'm with them, just they talk about it all the time, but I don't even mind because the yeah. stories they have oh, from, yeah. from that place are... Just incredible. It's a place I definitely want to go to. Yeah, My friend sure. that's going on Monday, she got a round trip flight, eight hundred bucks on Monday, because apparently it's not oh, yeah. tourism season right now. Yeah, so flight jacked up right now. No, it was eight hundred bucks. It's not that much round trip. Yeah, so getting there cheap right now, and uh, she's only going for like a week and a half. But yeah. dude, it'd yeah, be a great not, place to grow. Yeah, exactly. If you if you stay out of San Jose, obviously. So is that the capital? San yeah, Jose? like that's the major. I'm assuming it's the capital. I don't really know. Hopefully nobody. Ch- Actually, somebody will probably tweet in or yeah, chime probably. in and correct us if we say yes or no. So <laughs> we'll go with yes. Yeah. Between you and I, for the purpose of this conversation, yes. Uh, but it's like it's the major city there. So I mean, like that would be the airport you fly into. Yeah. Um, his condo, I think, is like 20 minutes north of San Jose. So I mean, it's. If you need the city life once in a while, it's there. But for the most part, like, I feel it's a place where a lot of people are going now just to kind of have that aha moment or recharge the batteries or do a self-discovery. Yeah. What's my purpose moving forward? Who am I? Stuff like that. So. And you'll be surprised. I remember what I was in. Have you ever traveled by yourself before? Anywhere uh, other than? Sort of. Um, actually, this summer, I've done a couple trips um, I've had to fly by myself or travel by myself, but, uh, Donald McLean, uh, played in the NHL. He's from Bedford. Uh, him and I used to train together towards the end of his career. Um, and at the beginning of his career, cause Chris Trombley was, uh, he had fit pro going at the time. Yeah. 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 And, uh, so he was with the Mooseheads and I had him obviously. And then, um, JP McCollum was working for Troms at the time. So he had like Ryan Flynn and, and Donnie McLean and Ryan Lozon. So the guys that were playing pro at the time. And then all, all of us, like me, Jodery, Gordon, you know, that were Dixon that were kind of coming, starting to come be the next wave through. We're training with, with that group, but like separately. So okay. that's kind of how it started. And I started meeting those guys. Um, but anyway, so Donald was approached by a young gentleman in Italy about coming over to teach hockey schools. So you know donald's like yeah i'm in so how how was italy let's talk about that well yeah so that so donald's been there for this was his third year and when i uh 
I got back from somewhere, I don't even know where the hell I was, and I was heading to the rink in Bedford, do Bedford for Sean, do Bedford minor hockey stuff, and Don, Donald's like, hey, you want to come to Italy? I was like, for what? He's like, oh, to teach a hockey school. And I was like, sure. I just didn't even ask, like, what the deal That's was. He's like, yeah, I was like, why not? I mean, I played there. I haven't been back since, like, 2006. So I was like, probably a pretty good chance to go. So talked to the talked to Donald, and I was like, what's the deal? And I was like, well, you know, I mean, it, I'm not getting rich doing it by any means, but for, for a year you know, suck it up, see what it's all about. So turns out the guy, you know, covers our flight, food, puts us up, um, you know, pays us a salary. And like, we stay at this unbelievable palace that overlooks like, okay, so the camps in Gardena, which is like a Northern Italian city, like kind of in the mountains, like mom and pop shops all around. Yeah. So it's like, like, uh, the guy's mom's side of the family is like woodworking. So like really detailed, like, you know, those, uh, old clocks, like the, not grandfather clocks, but the ones with like the bird that shoots. Oh yeah. Yeah. The cuckoo clocks. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like, but the detail, like, so that's how that, like, that was the start of their business. So like we walked into one of these shops and it was like, everything's handcrafted wood. Right. I mean like that German culture where everything is detailed. Like, so we're right on like right in that little pocket where on the other side of the mountain, it's like Austria and then Switzerland and Germany. So you're right in that pocket with like within an hour or two, you could be in any one of those four countries. The view must've been insane from up there. It's crazy. So we're sitting there like every night, you know, like we're done at 445 every night. So Donald and I are just like, you know, sitting on this patio, a couple bottles of wine, catch a buzz. All of a sudden, you know, his his mom or his sister or the have the caretaker. I don't know who it was. There was a caretaker there. Oh, like a housekeeper or something. All of a sudden, like chick, like you know, roasted chicken and veggies, and you know, the antipastas and the set like a five course meal just starts coming out of the kitchen. So like. We're eating and drinking from like five o'clock to like nine o'clock every night, sitting on this patio overlooking the mountains that um, the city are eating. I, I don't know what leg of the downhill Super G World Cup of skiing event that they host. And again, I'm sure one of your avid <laughs> listeners will correct us or give us the correct information via Google, but. Um, yeah, like it's crazy. Like I lo- we were standing at the bottom of the hill looking up and it's like, how do they do this? And it's <laughs> like there's a road between where the finish line is. So like they build snow over like the road that comes out of the mountain. In the summertime, like right now. No, there was no snow oh, now, okay, but okay. you can see kind of how. So like as it comes down the hill, like it's got to go like into the mountain and then back down into town. But it's like there's roads and stuff. So they build bridges. Like it's crazy just to see like, and there's a chairlift that goes up that would goes 24, well not 24 seven, but 12 months of the year, you know, probably like eight to eight or whatever. And there's a restaurant up there that's only open for like six months of the year. Did you go to it? Oh yeah. And they make so much money that they only have to be open for six months. But the chairlift still runs, right? But they might not be open, but you can still go up there and take photos at night and check out the view or whatever. But they like it's jammed up top i love europe oh it's crazy so yeah so this guy brought us over we taught school uh, in gardena for 10 days came back uh things went so well he's like hey do you want to come to london 
I was like, London, England? Never been. No. So literally Monday, I just got back from London after being there for another 10 days teaching the same camp, but over there. So like I said, this guy's very ambitious. Um, he wants to do, you know, like five, six weeks in Italy next year. Um, Dude, ask if he needs like a camera crew. Yeah, I'll mean, come well, and film an interview yeah, for him. No kidding. So, I mean, like that's the thing. Like the bells and whistles that this guy does to his camp, like – in North America, we just like, oh, hockey camp, like babysitting, it's watered down the market. But the bells and whistles this guy has put on it is absolutely insane. Explain like, a little. Like, what are the bells and whistles? So he's partnered up with CCM in Europe. And, you know, every kid that registers, you go online prior to, just like you do here, and register. And then when you show up to the camp, there's a gentleman at a little tent with a laptop. And there's a bunch of guys from CCM. And there's inflatables everywhere that you can, you know, shoot and... You know, and then they check you in, and then the guy from CCM takes your gear and walks you down to your locker room. You know, and we've got like a U13, a U18, and then like a U25, you know, dressing room. And the kid goes in with the guy from CCM and his parents, if he's in one of the younger groups, and finds his stall. And then you find your name, and you got your name plate. That's a big deal for a kid. Brand new, head to toe CCM gear, right? And it's in a CCM skills jersey that, that all the kids wear. Um, and then for two days, the kids test the gear, the first two days of camp, they test the gear. And then the parents have the option to buy any part of the gear or the whole set for 50% off the price. And if the, if you don't need anything or you don't like it or whatever, then they just give you your gear back on the start of day three and take all their, their stuff back. That's so smart. Like, it's so genius. What kid who's 10 years old that just got brand new gear is going to be like, nah, I don't really like that, or not cry to mom and dad. Like, yeah, hey, exactly. I want new gloves, new helmet, you know. I'm and it's hard to get hockey gear over there, you were saying. When I went yeah. over there, I didn't see one store well, for that's hockey. It. What we're used to in North America is so crazy, right? Because it's yes. like, oh, I need my skate sharp, and oh, I need a stick, or I need, you know, new gloves. It's like, oh, we'll go to Cleves, we'll go to Sword, you know, we'll go to Pro Hockey. I could throw a rock to the closest hockey exactly. Exactly. Like you don't have, you have multiple choices, right? I mean, Chris, you could even go to Costco or Canadian Tire, right? Like they had, they sell stuff. I mean, Chris, that's where I used to get my sticks growing up, right? I'd be like, hey, Costco's selling 12 sticks for like (laughs) $10.99. I'd be picking fiberglass out of my hand for like. I remember those sticks. They're right next to the tent. Oh, (laughs) God. And just like, I couldn't wait till I got to Bantam and Midget when I was finally like, I was good enough, but also hockey was like serious enough for my dad's. Okay, now you can start having like yeah. a two piece stick or you can pick your curve instead of like sitting there with a blowtorch trying to doctor up these like, you know, Shearwood Paul Coffees or the, the old Titans or the Canadians. I remember like, those days. You name it, right? Like, I mean, I think I even had a box of like Martinvilles for a while. When I, I don't was even know Pee- what that is. There was a there was a store in Quebec that used to make them. So when we were there for the Pee Wee tournament, we got a tour of the of the store. Yeah. So like we got to start like so that's when I first got introduced to like you know how sticks are made and different curves and Lee got like the education side of like a, what a lie is and flex and then obviously as technology evolved and you got into one two piece and one piece and stuff you start to learn like the technology of your stick and how it works and where the kick point is and all that stuff right which i have no idea what you're talking that's about what right i now. mean nine times out of ten most people don't unless hockey's been and you've been around and you've seen guys right like especially in junior and pro like that's when guys really get serious about their equipment because it's part of their job, right? When we were at the Jordan Boy tournament, we got to go in the pro room and shoot the shit with the boys. All they did, 
was look at each other's gear and sticks. Yep. That's it. Oh, well, you, how do you? Oh, you like this? Oh, your lie's huge. What? Oh, okay, yeah. so how do you do this? How, oh, they were just asking each other questions about their sticks, their sticks, gloves, their gloves, skates. They're just like, how do you? Oh, okay. So what does this do for you? Because yeah. you, you're completely right. They're so interested in each other's gear. Sure, and you got to understand too. It's like depending on what type of player you are. If you're a guy who's a one, you know, like guys, some guys that just have these bombs off the offside, right? Like Ovechkin, Stamkos, guys like that. They just sit there, and it's like put it within ten feet, and I'm putting it right. So though that's when guys, if you're goals, you start wondering, okay, am I am I in the right spot, or is my stick gonna have enough? impact or kick to get pucks that are you know middle in or middle front or towards you know off my body where i'm falling down like you still have to so guys actually want to know like different different sticks different different flexes all that stuff right i mean it's funny because we're doing stick handling camps for ccm and stuff over in europe yet you know like we don't bring our our like i didn't bring my stick or anything and neither did donald right we just used whatever they had but then you start doing drills and demoing, and it's like, man, I can't even handle the puck, or I can't shoot because it's not my. You don't under you know, like you know, or, yeah. you, you know, or I've, now I'm using an intermediate eighty-five Connor McDavid curve, and I'm like, <laughs> I might as well just give me a right hander and just see if I'm any better at that point, right? But yeah, this sort of, we got way off topic there. But again, what we're used to in North America is not even close to to the European, right? Like if you need stuff, you basically got to order it in or you got to wait for a camp like this to get access to CCM or to have and it's not like they're bringing like one, they're bringing hundreds of sticks and skates and gloves because they've got to outfit different body types and different different size kids and you have no idea who's going to show up to this thing. So he, Marty does a great job. He's got videos that advertise for the camp. Donald and I are in the videos, and he just takes, like, he has two guys on the ice, like, videotaping drills, and then he takes headshots of all the kids and, like, does a video, and now we do testing, like, we do, a, a like, an obstacle course, um, and we have a gun radar, so they do a shot at the start, the first day of camp, and then we do the camp, and then we test them again at the end. And it's just, and then Marty turns around with the, the booklets and then turns around on top of what he's charged the camp. Then he turns around and sells like the videos and the headshots and like the, the little report cards for like 20 euros. Dude. Parents are just eating this up. So it's like a miscellaneous fund of like an extra, you know, two to 5,000 euros that he's picking up. Like on the last day that aren't even in the budget. Cause these parents are like, oh my God, that's unbelievable. And again, like. You think about camps here, it's like you show up for an hour, hour and a half, you do your work, and then you go home. This is like full-on Monday morning, you get dropped off, and if you're staying in a hotel or whatever, like we, they have group leaders and, and coaches that stay in the hotels and look after the kids and all that stuff. you guys stuff. feed the kids too, like food? They do, yeah. Catered, yeah. Like um, <clears throat> it's, it's either like lunches at the rink and then dinner is either catered in or it's like, hey, everybody, you know, we're going to go eat and then Marty picks up the bill or whatever. Um, for the staff, it's a little bit different because again, there's like goalie camp going on. You got three different age groups. You got guys, you know, Don and I are strictly on ice, so we don't have to worry about any off ice or babysitting the kids or anything like that. So it's nice, yeah. Um, to that extent, so I mean, like I said, we we basically get up early. We have a driver that picked us up at like seven fifteen, seven thirty every morning. Got us to the rink. Uh, we were on the ice, you know, three groups in the morning. Then we'd have lunch. 
three groups in the afternoon. We're done by like 4.30, so 4.45, driver, boom. Boom. Nearest restaurant or back to the house and, you know, start catching a little buzz, start discussing the day. And then, you know, plan then like what based on the skill set we have, what are we going to do the next day, plan our practice. And then the food just like I said, the food just starts rolling out. And it's like that sounds like the best summer job. Yeah. Like, like no kidding. In London, London was good. But again, because we had to stay in a hotel and it wasn't like, you know, yeah. Marty's like world. It was a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit more chaotic, not as relaxed and, and the perks weren't quite there. But again, he took care of us really well. Still, so, you know, put covers our flights, puts us in a hotel, food, You're in a London. spending money. We were in London and yeah, Donald and I know. never, neither one of us have been to London to be tourists. Like I've been there to change flights or get off a plane, get on a, a train and head somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Or, so we had an opportunity to be tourists a little bit, which was awesome. So we took a boat, you know, took a boat cruise uh, down the river to check out London Bridge or Tower Bridge now it's called. Big, Big Ben. Big Ben yeah. and the London Eye and Westminster Palace. And we did it all, right? And found a couple, like, really authentic, cool pubs. Awesome. Um, you know, and it's some of the people over there. It's like going to, like, St. John's, Newfoundland, right? Or Is it? George Street, right? Have you ever been? If you've never been over no. there, like everybody just they you can they can tell right away if you're not from there right and then it's just like the good the bar to what do you guys want to do and we're telling them well i work from canada he's like oh you guys must be hockey players or whatever and of course everybody just puts two and two together right so we're like actually yeah we were <laughs> so he's like all right you guys got to go down here get on this boat and they're like he was like the guy will sell you beer on the boat and you guys will go up river and and so we did what this guy said we basically avoided all the tourists and all the lines and all the like the queues of waiting to get on rides or like the London Eye and he's like because we because this local guy just hooked us up and he's like you know you guys are in the right spot if you go this way but if you go if you basically take the bus <clears throat> down and then do it backwards he's like you're gonna chew up your whole day waiting in lines and standing there and letting people take pictures and all that stuff he's like do it this way. That's what you want. Basically. You go to hole in the wall well, pubs and then they tell you what the good exactly, shit is to do. Exactly, right? And plus it's like we wanted like I wanted to see stuff and take pictures, but I didn't want to spend four days like, you know, doing what we did in a half a day. Yeah. Right. So but I mean it's definitely a super cool place, super clean. Oh yeah. Um I wouldn't have thought that. That man, it's crazy. And it's like, well, I mean, the cool like the royal family lives there, so it's like the most secure place. Even though the city has like nine or eleven million people in it, and it's massive. Really? Oh yeah. One night I was walking around, we were leaving a, a bar and uh it was pitch black. We're like fine people are like, Oh, you know, you know how people are always like, Oh, I'll stay away from certain areas and we're like, ah, whatever. <laughs> You know, I feel, you know, I get that little confidence where, like, I'm pretty sure there's no situation either I, A, can't talk myself out of, or B, if I really had to get down to business, I'm pretty confident I can handle myself. Yeah. So I don't have that reservation of, like, oh, stay on the resort or stay on the main street. It's like, let's go. So, like, it's pitch black, but I you can hear noise, right? And you can just, it gets louder and louder, and we keep walking down this black, and we start noticing that, like, every car is, like, a Ferrari, a Maserati, and I'm, like, so I start looking around, you start seeing, like, security details, like, in the shadows, like, kind of watching the cars. So I go around another corner, and there's, like, probably 800 to 1,200 people crowded around this door, all, like, screaming, taking photos, was the back of uh, a playhouse 
And it was like a couple of celebrities that were in the play that people were trying to get pictures of. And I just walked through the parking lot of all the people that were at the play. So it was just all these like wealthy, wealthy people checking out like Les Miserables or like my or Michael Jackson play thriller. Like, so I started walking down this street and I ended up walking into like Piccadilly or Trafalgar Square or yeah, something. Yeah. And then like next thing you know, I'm like walking around like, oh, there's another. And then there's Canada House on the right. And everywhere you go in London, everything's like fenced off and there's people with guns and like no way oh yeah especially like westminster castle like some of the pal like oh gov- guys with the furry hats government yeah, yeah, yeah like you know government buildings but they're legit like there's a wagon that pulls up and like 15 guys get out with like machine guns and stuff for a shift change and then like the other guys come out of the fence get in the van and it's like so it's pretty like it's like probably one of the most secure places on earth you walk walk around Cannon House, not a fence, not a sniper, nothing. Just big golden doors that are like, hey, welcome to our country. You know, like, come on in. Bunch of hockey sticks on the yeah, wall. Yeah, it's just like, you know, there's nobody walking around. I'm like, yeah, this pretty much sums it up, right? Yeah. But that's when you really get a taste of how we are so much like Great Britain. Like, you, the, the money, the law, just everything, right? You get a sin. Once you're there, you're like, ah, it's just like being home. A little bit more secure and tight, but it's just like the way of life and the people and the laws and the rules and the price, you know what I mean? And money, you just start to understand we did cause, like we are, you know, them, like we, Canada is Great Britain and all that stuff. So it was kind of cool. It was fun. Um, We're in talks. We're going to go back next year, obviously. Um, Marty wants to expand uh, and do like, I don't know, five or six weeks in, in Italy. So how many um, weeks were you there for this year? We were just there for 10 days. Oh, five weeks would be on. Well, that's, that's pretty it. much so, your whole summer. So it's four weeks in Gardena. Well, two in Gardena, one in Fassa, I think. And then there'll be a week off. And then there might be a week in Milan. So Milan, we'd have to be in a hotel everywhere. Like Fassa and Gardena, we could stay at Marty. So like the business side, like the logistics things, Marty's got to figure some stuff out. But Donald, Sounds like a smart guy. Yeah, Donald and I, are, we want to bring him to, to Halifax here and just let him see kind of like you know the q junior a um midget league you know all that stuff and decide hey like is this a market you think that this could fly in yeah i would like to see him for one summer just come here for a week or two weeks and see kind of what the response is especially with the bells and whistles because no camp around here does that mm. or are people just going to be like oh it's another it's another hockey camp it's yeah. you know it's a babysitting service or it's you know watered the market's watered down but We'll see how it goes. He's got some pretty cool ideas and some unique things, like I said, that I've never seen before on hockey schools. Um, so I think I think it'll fly. And I think, like you said, he's a very ambitious young man. And I know there's uh, there isn't a lot of fear of failure with him and, and the family and the support he gets from from higher powers and well, the family so most ambitious people aren't really scared of failure no it's true but they know they're know, gonna fail at some point you know but if you you know if you don't have the the financial security or the backing to do it are that's you fair. are you gonna continue to take those risks that's one of the things where like you know i kind of i don't want to tell talk about Marty's yeah, yeah, business yeah, yeah, and yeah, family yeah, yeah. life or anything without him being here but it's just you know, he, he's done a really good job. And I think if he continues to grow and be smart about it, cause he's, he's got the right people, right? Like he's got Donald, you know, Donald got me. We're looking to add maybe a couple other guys. He wants to do a coaching symposium as well, 
where then, you know, maybe the week between the two camps, coaches come over, they do a presentation. We told them to get in touch with Hockey Canada and USA Hockey to see if they would send guys over, help subsidize cost. And then that final week of camp would be an opportunity for those coaches to maybe run a practice or to sit and take notes or to help out and okay. kind of show what they have, you know, or what they have to offer or an opportunity to apply what they've learned from other coaches or whatever. So again, the guy's wheels are always turning half the time. I'm in a met- mental pretzel trying to figure out like what's what un- one <laughs> what unexpected thing is going to be fired at me next. Is right? his English good? Can he oh, speak yeah. English? So yeah. he was, so his parents sent him to Vancouver when he was 14. So he, he, he did high school in oh, Canada. I'm sure he had a great played, time there. Oh, he played midget triple a, or I don't know. I don't know. He played midget over here and yeah. he ended up going to Laurentian, in uh in ontario or quebec yeah the canadian university um and then he met brad mcdonald yeah johnny's brother oh he knows brad yeah that's so that's how we ended up over there so he called brad and was like because they went to school together and was like hey here's what i want to do and he's like i'm not your guy so he's like call sean so he calls Sean McKenzie, and Sean's like, I don't have time for that. Call Donald. And then Donald's like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> and then he's like, coach, you want to go? I'm like, yeah, I'm in. That's how that worked. That's, That's funny. That's exactly how it went down. Man, if he comes over here, connect me with him. We'll get him on the podcast. For sure. He sounds like a guy who we have a great conversation with. Oh, yeah. For sure, like he's that's hilarious. He knows oh, Brad. That's chuck his like, name man, out like there. that's how it. That's how it all started right there. Like just went like food. Like no, call him. I can't. No, call him. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh yeah. So again, it's just like the work, like the game can give you right. Like again, as much as I like, I sat here and I bat, I bashed the game for whatever, and but. It was because I didn't love it, and then again took time away, and now I've rediscovered my love for the game and understand that the game is going to be a huge part of my life and give me more opportunity now, especially where I'm clear-minded and present in everything I do. It's like this is fun again. I enjoy this, right? Instead of it just being like, oh fuck, here we go again. Yeah. Right. So, dude, the game can take you places. You can go far. Yeah. I, that's uh, fun. Yeah, that's some, a great lesson for people that are listening. Well, that's just it, right? I mean, you never know. Never know. Right? Don't, just because you don't make the show doesn't mean exactly. your career is over. Well, that's it. Like, I I mean, I said that before. Like, I'm not I'm – not, I never played in the NHL. I'm not some superstar. I lived a great life and had friends that still do play or <laughs> did play or whatever. And I rode coattails to parties <laughs> and to things that, you know, I would have no business be in. Like, I mean, I was on Hockey Wives. I have no business being on that <laughs> show. I was on a couple of, like, you know, making the cut. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I've been in a movies. Like, it's just, it's just crazy how everything works out or, you know, you think, you think you shot yourself in the foot and then all of a sudden it's like, fuck, two more doors just opened after one slam behind me or I, you know, I did something to slam that door and it's like, oh, no, no one's ever going to take a chance or call you again. And they do. So it's, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm in a completely different place than I was a couple of years ago. And like I said, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. Got an opportunity here with the. Uh, I'm going to get involved with a junior team in the Maritime League here. Can you tell me what team yet? Can't yet. Um, it's it'll be released probably next week, but going to get involved there. Looking forward to that. Um, so I mean, it's it's coming back to me, right? Like yeah. my approach is different uh, as a coach. Um, the coach I was at prep school, I decided that's not really who I want to be. What's changed? 
um, besides going to rehab and getting my, <laughs> getting my, other than get that, yeah. that, it was just like, just being present and understanding that again, the game has changed. It's continued to evolve and you, you can't really be results driven anymore. Right. Unless you're, unless you're at the major junior level, which even then winning and losing to the owners is huge is because you want the revenue and the ticket sales. But I mean, how often do you like do you see like a 16 or 17 year old first round pick sitting on the bench nowadays right no one like it's just a different thing so it's like okay you got to give these kids a chance to play and develop and showcase what they have yeah so where do you draw the line between development and winning and losing i didn't understand that i was like i gotta win because i'm recruiting and this and it's like i don't care however if you ask all my players that played for me, I always took the player's side first because I was a player and I was like, I would never want that taken away from me as a player. I would never expect a coach to, to treat me that way. So I always took that into consideration and would never do anything. But I was so results driven that, you know, I would give guys one shot on the power play. Like yeah. we're playing St. Andrews and it's like, you guys get one power play and that, no, you're done. I'm going with the next one or I'm putting somebody else there. Right. Like, so the pressure I put on some of those kids was probably too much. Yeah. Cause some of them couldn't handle it. And then there was others like Dobson, Mercer guys that were like first round picks. And then, you know, they could handle it. So they thrived in that. But I didn't understand that not everybody was meant for pro hockey or for college hockey yeah. or for major junior hockey, right? There's a huge gap there of kids that will never see that level. But that doesn't mean they're not good or they can't use the game for something else. And I didn't see that clear enough, right? It was like, I want the best. I want to be the best. I want to win. I don't want to lose. And I don't care how. How? Yeah. Right. I want more money from my job. I want more staff. But if I'm not winning, I can't get any of that stuff. Right. So that was just kind of the wins and losses were my driving force. And then a lot of the coaches that I see now that I coach against, they're like, we thought you were for sure going major junior. Yeah. Like the way you were running your program and, you know, you ran a tight ship and it was good and you were successful. But that's a ju that's that's major junior. That's not high school, prep school, whatever. And so again, I, at least I was open-minded enough to, to understand that. I mean, I had lunch with Jeff McLeod. Oh, did you? Uh, at King's Edge Show when they, after Brian Casey went junior A, and we just talked and, and things like that. And then that's when I started to learn. So I reached out to Dave Manning, some of these other guys that I had known and had kind of really helped me and mentored me when I got into the prep school ranks because I knew nothing about it. And it was just kind of that same thing, sitting around talking. They're like, Mike, you're very, you know, your X's and O's and your strategy and, and your discipline and structure is great but right like it's just and again i came from a, sc a, a school with a military like a boarding school with a military background so for yeah. them to say like hey like lighten up it's like jesus i must have been pretty pretty cracking the whip yeah the military backgrounds like well <laughs> when you could uh, i know you said sean mckenzie was a big influence yeah. you on coaching was his style like that back when you played for the mooseheads was it one opportunity and done um not so much one and done but for sure, accountability um, and, and kind of fear as a motivator, like understanding, again, you're 16, 17 years old. There's 10,000 people in the rink. You know, it's like, geez, I, I don't want to fucking make a mistake, right? So yeah. it's like the pressure that we put on ourselves not to screw up 
was probably more than the staff, right? Yeah. Because we were like, oh my God, if we screw up, like we're never going to see the ice. And don't get me wrong, I made mistakes a lot. No one's perfect. I mean, there was, a, <laughs> I remember this one time. I don't know what happened, but Sean benched me. I don't know what the situation was. And he was like, you're done for the night. Sit down. So then Cam, Russell, our D coach, he kept trying to put me out on the ice and I was like and I turned around I was like are you nuts right so you know I'm arguing with Cam on the bench first of all never do that as a player you never argue with your coach especially on the bench right like do it behind closed doors so I'm like man you heard the guy I was like he's gonna fucking kill me so Cam's like get out there so like I'm literally like half over the boards <laughs> and Sean's staring at me and Cam's like and he's like and Sean's like you think you're going out there and I was like no, <laughs> I got like one foot over the boards and he takes my stick and he just snaps it in two and throws it down the hall. And he's like, you're not going out there now. And then Cam's like, so whatever the game ends, Cam's just shaking his head. All of a sudden Cam walks in the room. He's like, coachy office. It's like, Fuck. So we go in there and I just get chewed out. Right. That's the lesson that you like. Don't argue with your coach. Don't do it. And like all that stuff. Again, I was said, I didn't know any better. Right. Like never, I was, I'd never been bent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just like things like that where you're just like, you don't understand, you don't learn. And, you know, we laugh about it today, but at the time, like Sean was giving it to me, I was yelling back cams, like, listen, like, hold on you two. Like, part of this is my fault because I tried to override Sean and it was just like, well, I appreciate that. And anyway, we had a, you know, after we were done yelling at each other or whatever, I went and got undressed. And I think we went to cheers for like a beer or something. And then we all went home and that was the end of it. But like, there was so many instances where like Sean would correct me for the good. Yeah. But at the time it was like, Oh, this guy fucking hates me. But then like 30 seconds later, like the ball would go off in my head and be like, <sighs> guy that actually loves me and is looking out for me and trying to take care of me. But I'm just got my head so far up my ass that I don't even know. Like I can't realize it. Right. Or Dude, you yeah. as a kid, as a, you know, you think that you're always right or yeah. you're never wrong. And then it's like, you got to learn something once in a while. I didn't learn those lessons till like three years later. I was like, oh, he was trying to teach me there. Yeah. From coaches. Like, oh, he was trying to make me better there. Okay, now I get it. Yeah, for sure. You're just sure. so naive when you're young. You're just like, what the oh. dick? Why is he fucking with me like this? Oh, I'm, st I'm still like that yeah. today. Like, I'm still naive as far as like, you know, ta running into people on the street or at a restaurant. It's just like, you know, everybody's like, yeah, it's, it's so good to see you. And really, I'm like this probably person doesn't want to see anybody <laughs> right now or like, why are they being so bubbly and fake? Like it's the way it is, man, it's the world we live in for sure. And let's be honest, I'd rather people always be fake smiling and bubbly and open doors for each other than head down, buried in the phone. And you bump into somebody like, cause their heads down shoulder to shoulder and they turn around and, you know, pull yeah. a knife or tell you to go pound sand or, yeah. you know, so, you know, a lot of lessons to be learned. I got, Tons. I mean, there's uh, there's a few few stories that probably make people's heads turn. You got to give me one here. I don't know. Not about that stuff. Let's, I want to laugh a little bit. Here's, I got a good one here. I was flying to, I don't know, I think I was going to Toronto. Yeah. And a guest of your show, Mr. Steven Dixon, and I used to be pretty pretty good running mates when it came to, to the social activities in Halifax. So. <laughs> 
we went out, I don't know, it was probably like a Sunday afternoon or whatever, and we got absolutely crippled. And I had to fly, I think it was going to Toronto, because I used to train in Toronto a lot in the summers. And uh, so I get to Halifax Airport the next day, and I mean, I am hung, right? And it's just like, I'm sweating, and I've got like a, I don't know, maybe like a two o'clock flight or a noon hour flight. So I'm at the airport like 10 a.m. or noon at the at the latest, yeah. right? Trying to eat some food, and I can't. And this was before they renovated those bathrooms up top in front of, I think it's gate like 24 now at that uh, at uh, Halifax Airport. Okay. So before, I, it was like gate 20 or 22, and the bathrooms were right in front of that. So that was where my gate was to take this flight. And I'm just like, oh. So I go to the bathroom. Like, my bags are checked through. Like, we're started. Like, boarding's going to be in like a half an hour. So like I go into the bathroom and this was <laughs> this was when they had those toilets that just came out of the wall that were like kind of like yeah I know there's no stand in yeah. the bottom they just they're like kind of yeah. sealed into the tile of the wall for whatever reason so whatever I'm sitting there and I'm doing my business and I'm just like oh god all of a sudden like I drop like two inches. And my legs, like my leg muscles kick in. So I'm now doing like a wall sit, right? And I'm like, what is going on? And it's like slow motion. I turn around and look back and like the caulking around the tile that was holding the toilet started to crack and give out. So the toilet had actually broken and sunk like just like an inch or two. So I look back and it's literally out of a movie like you can just see it like no and the bowl falls smashes so there's soaking wet there's water everywhere (laughs) and i turn around and it just starts shooting out the wall like i am talking you know that episode in friends where like ross is doing the spray tan and he's like looking into the machine (laughs) and he gets fired in the face with it so I like turn and I am soaked. You right? got a flight in ten minutes, and I'm and I I'm like and I'm screaming too, right? And the, the the loud porcelain smashing on that tile floor, like right in front of my gate, like everybody heard it. I'm like, you know, I'm cursing, I'm swearing. I come out of the bathroom, and it looks like you know that scene in Ace Ventura where yeah. he's like, and he's like, if I was drinking out of the toilet, I would have might have been killed. And I'm just like. I look like a drowned rat, right? I'm soaked. There's like turds floating around in the bathroom in there. The janitor comes. They put caution tape up. The lady from Air Canada is like, sir, are you okay? And I'm like, <laughs> do I look okay? So they, they can't get my bag because it's already on the thing. So they take me downstairs back through security into that little gift shop there where it's like, I love Nova Scotia yeah, yeah, and I like yeah. so they get they give me like a sweater that has like I Heart Canada and like Nova Scotia you look tr- like a tourist oh big time loser right <laughs> like just this pigeon so I get back they have to hold the plane because I'm downstairs getting clothes they hold the plane so I come back on planes now loaded and I've got to walk by everybody who already saw me come out of the bathroom covered in water Right. And then has me come back on the plane with these. I just look like such an asshole. Right. Like, That's so funny. Oh, it was so embarrassing. That's man. a great like, story. Oh, it's crazy. So like 
oddly enough, when I was flying to London, yeah. I was at gate 24 and now it's like the brand new bathrooms, the duty free shop, and then like a horseshoe of gates. Yeah. So I was sitting there and I was just reminiscing and I started giggling and I, so I went inside to the bathroom. I took a picture into the toilet and sent it to Dix and he just started <laughs> dying laughing, man. Like it was, it was one of the f- most outrageous bizarre things that just i've had to that's a nightmare oh it was awful like i just look and then of course like the fan like i lived with bill and cindy sudeiko so like johnny bauer's daughter she was my yeah when i was in toronto so she used to be my power skating coach so she picks me up from the airport and i'm dressed like this and she already knows right because i've lived at their house that you know i like to be social and get after it on the weekends and things like that and she's just like i don't even want to know get in the car let's go oh my god that's amazing <laughs> yeah it was uh it was one of those ones where you just like you want to forget about it but like i people <laughs> no, always like i always end that. up either telling that one or people always ask me like man i heard this and i was like yeah that's true i want to get dixon back on the podcast to get his version of the story i oh, want to get his version of you walking out of the washroom buddy he's got he's got more stories about me than i don't even know like we talk about this all the time. We don't even know how we became friends. <laughs> it was just like one summer we came home and it was just like best buddies every night of the week, you know, tr- skating together, training, eating lunch, whatever. And it was just like, man, eh, all right. Is it true at lunchtime, whenever he went out to lunch, apparently sometimes he would tip 100% of the bill just because he could. Is that true? Um. There was, when he got back from Russia, yeah, for sure. There was some outrageous things we used to do. I mean... Um, I used to, ha- I used to have this stupid saying, my dad will probably smack me when he hears it, but it's like make 80, spend a hundred, make 50, spend a hundred. Right. Like, so it was just always like, <laughs> that was the mindset, right? Like, so we go to a bar and our tab would be like, I don't know, 1200 bucks or something. Jesus. And then, you know, between like four or five guys and then like, you know, he's like, oh, I'll get this or whatever. And we're all like, you're going to regret that tomorrow, bud. <laughs> yeah. And then just. You know, then leave like and it's an outrageous amount of money. But oh my half God. of it was I don't know if half of it was because we were just trying to save face to make sure we could come back or if it was legit or if it was like, hey, thanks for taking care of us and divide it amongst, you know, the servers, the, staff, the bartenders, yeah. the staff, whatever. Because, I mean, there would be days we went for lunch one day to Salty's. Yeah. I'm not going to mention any other names were there, but we went for lunch one day. 13 bottles of wine later <laughs> like then it was like okay now it's dinner time now it's like you know into the evening and now we're oh it's sunday we gotta go to the palace we gotta do it like so i mean it was just out of control some memorable summers eh oh yeah like just I mean, maybe not too memorable well no but i mean like there's no better place to be in the summer than Halifax. Anyone that wants to travel while you're living in Halifax in the summer, I'm like, you're crazy. Stay yeah, here. Stay. It's the best place. It's, yeah. And then, and then all like all the boys come back and it's, you know, it's just a different world. Yeah. Right. And again, I mean, if you talk to people that are of higher status and celebrities, like nobody gets harassed and everybody understands like, you know, the picture taking or if guys are going to let loose and, you know, getting the staff and security to, you know, clear the tables and make sure that, you know, there's not a hundred empties in front of people yeah. and things like that. So, I mean, it's, it's always been a very, very open city to, to kind of, 
Let be loose. yourself, yeah. um, whether that's good or bad for most people. But again, I mean, <laughs> there's been days where like, you know, I mean, uh, one of my last times, you know, really going hard a couple years ago, like, I think the boy said I was like making out with the goat at the stubborn <laughs> goat, like the little like wood one. And then <laughs> like, yeah, time, and it's like dinner time, right? It's like time to go. <laughs> and it was like, all right, you know, like, so just do stu such stupid stuff, right? Like you just such the city a, brings it out of you, man. Well, that's it, right? You know, you can't take what, what are those sayings? Like you can take the, the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy or all that stuff. You know, you can dress him up, but you can't take him anywhere. Like, <laughs> Those things apply to so many people. It's not even funny. Well, when you're out and you just see everyone having a great time, it's hard not to just be like, well, I'm having a great time. And then the next thing you know, and you're people, making out with a goat. And, well, and people <laughs> feed off that. It's like, yeah. you know, like, we'll be there'll be days, you know, it's like noon hour and it'd be like a day like today where it's not nice, but it's not crappy either. It's yeah. muggy, but it's it's fall, It's cloudy. It's nice out now. Yeah. Well, when I was driving here, I thought it was heading to friggin' Transylvania. The fog <laughs> Man, was I couldn't even see you walk ridiculous. in. Ridiculous. It was yeah. bad. So anyway, like, and so people gravitate to the people having a good time, right? So like, you know, we'd go for brunch after a hard night and start revving it up again. And then all of a sudden it's like, we're loud, obnoxious, telling jokes. All of a sudden, there's like a group of four or five people. We have no idea. They're like, man, let's join that group. They're having so much fun. Now our group is 10. And then you, there's like another four or five people. Now our group is 14, right? And then it's like, it just grows. And it, it because we're laughing and we're having a good time, people are like, I want to hang out with them. <laughs> or I want to join that group. Or then it's like somebody calls and they hear the the commotion. It's like, oh, I'll be down in a sec. Yeah. Or like, I don't want to miss out. That's right? how this city works. It's like you don't want to miss out on something. Yeah. But guess what? Monday through Sunday, it doesn't matter. Like, it's all the same, right? Like, yeah. no day is better than the next. And But everybody's mindset is, I don't, I'm going to miss something epic. But really, you're just going to end up with a <laughs> shit-eating grin and a headache, right? You're like, end up at the airport sitting on the toilet. Yeah, that falling over. Like, just... <laughs> just miserable things right like you take the good and the bad but a lot of the, what people think are bad is what like i laugh about yeah right like i think a lot of the dumb shit i did is pretty funny now because no one got hurt that's the way you got to look at it yeah i mean i may have ruined a few clothes and like <laughs> lulu's always going to be there you can always oh, go yeah. back lulu and hugo <laughs> yeah hugo i don't know maybe you not me right now no what else you got for him? what else you want to know man we did summer. A couple stories. I'm trying to think really quickly here. Any questions that people fired out? Any anybody remember? <laughs> Things it's too that early. I, that I might not. I don't know. Like, we, how about this? You said it was frust was it ever frustrating in Europe playing hockey when uh sticks came in? Did you ever get like, oh, the wrong God. batch of sticks? So when I played in Italy, this is another thing that I learned about the business of hockey. So I didn't know at the time, like I thought Bauer was just like universal, right? Like yeah. Nike Bauer, um, you know, you can get it anywhere. Well, it turns out like when I was playing in Italy, like I would, was I was using all Bauer stuff. So when I went, call my agent, hey, listen, I'm going there. They're like, yeah, you're going to have to like call the team and get them to foot the bill to ship it all over. I'm like, well, okay. So we call, I called the trainer and they're like, no, no, we, you know, we use Furland or whatever. I don't know, some joke company. I was like, all right, whatever. So then, uh, so I fly over and 
I had a contact from a buddy of mine who played over there already for a couple of years. And he's like, Hey, this guy works for Bauer in Europe. Give him a call. So I gave him a call and he's like, yeah, he's like, unfortunately I can't access North America, Bauer, North America. He's like, you'll have to send me all new specs. You'll have to send me a blade and they have to reorder. So it turns out Nike Bauer in North America is a different company than Nike Bauer in Europe. Completely different company. Yeah. Like same name, but completely two different things. So it's like, they don't have access. They don't share information. They don't have access to each other. So it was like, I'm, it, I'm sure it's different now. I mean, we're talking back in 2006, yeah. but like, it just seems so bizarre to me. Again, something that we're so accustomed to and standard in North America, like all you got to do is go on a computer and look up my name or my number and then everything comes up, right? So the specs for your skates and curve and your gloves, That's you know, so like easy. the weight, the you know, the cuff, whatever, you know, modifications you've made to anything, your pants, whatever, right? Like it just seems so simple. And they were like, yeah, we don't have access to that. You can get modifications to your pants. Oh, yeah, everything, man. You can no. modify everything. Everything. Man. I stopped wearing pants uh, like my last five years. And oh, you like to, those? Uh, like the girdle and shell. Yeah. Because right? they just, yeah, not so good for blocking shots. But yeah. like they're just, you know, like because I'm tall, right? Like anytime some little jerk would like you know jump and try to hit me i'd get my hip would go right into the dashboard right because that was right in line with where that belt on the pants was that's the most painful so fucking like, thing i'm done with this so then i got you know when i switched to my girl i got bauer to put like those two extra pads right across there and then the shell covers those so no one's so my pants so like they were just wrapped around my legs and I've hips seen with nothing that moved Nylander wears them yeah they're they're perfect like you they're lightweight but again like they're just if you're getting a hundred mile an hour shot fired at you they're not doing jack shit <laughs> you're feeling that jeez I didn't know you could modify all oh, that you can stuff. modify anything. shin pads too uh yeah some guys do some guys get extras on like on the back of their legs and things like, like that on the back oh too. yeah but like i with my gloves like i had 15 inch gloves but my cuff was like cut underneath so i didn't have anything under like my wrist and my gloves were you know i had this the stuff cut out of the fingers so they were thinner and easier oh, to, yeah. quicker to get off and you know i mean but with everything you modify, there's going to be a problem. I mean, I got my finger jammed between uh, the glass and the um, the stanchion, like where the glass connects, and it just exploded. No. Like it's mangled. Oh, yeah. Like with a minute and a half, like five minutes to go on the third, we're in Arizona on the road, and I broke the puck out. Guy finished his check, and literally my finger exploded. We're skating up the ice, and there's just a trail of blood behind me. So the boys are at the bench and they're like, Bobby, to our trainer. Yeah. They're like, Bobby, coach, he needs a Band-Aid. So he put, takes a Band-Aid out of his pocket. I take my glove off and literally my finger is just like exploded right off. Like Band-Aid's not going to do it. So go into the locker room. Our team doctor, like he puts five staples in it, packs it full of whatever, sticks my hand back in my glove, sends me back out. Uh, we end up scoring. I end up getting an assist on the empty netter. Schultz, Jesse Schultz ended up getting uh, getting the empty netter. So as we're going down the line, I'm like yelling to our coach. I'm like, Joe, I'm going to get my fingers sewn on back on now. <laughs> so I go back into the locker room. 
he takes the five staples out and then sews my finger back up. Like no freezing, no nothing. Get, like what? no freezing. Just just rips these staples out. I'm like, Doc, come on, man. And he's like, Don't worry, right? And then like yeah, after yeah. he's done stitching me up, then he's like, And here's your script. I was like, Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like it was just again, like it's a different world. Right? Like I don't want I don't want people to know certain people like certain yeah. names of things or whatever because you don't want to blame people. And I'm definitely not pushing blame, but that's just, again, that's just one day in the life of what I endured or the life in the minors or whatever, right? Like, that's just the way it is. <sighs> like, everybody's like, oh man, you played pro over 10 years? That's unreal. I'm like, yeah, I had a great time, but. Yeah, you're not going to be able to feel your pinky when yeah, you're 60 years old. Like, you're not like, even going to be able to walk my around. Hands, yeah, my hands look, I've got the hands of like an 80 year old <laughs> decrepit, like. Oh, Fortnite man. player who's got carpal tunnel, right? I'm just dedicated his life to playing. Like his hands are all just ginked up. You're at these camps. You're like, I can't stick handle, but it's actually it's your hands, oh, not the it. actual stick. Kids it's are like, like, kids are like, man, stick handling hurts my wrist. I'm like, <laughs> does your wrist look like that? Like, I think you, can, I think you're good. If I can do it right handed or left handed with yeah. this mangled thing, I think I'm pretty sure you're good at 12 years old. You'll be fine. Jesus. Oh, stories. Yeah. Oh man, craziness. I've got I mean, I've got so so many. I got to cut you off here though. We're, we're an hour 20 in here. Oh yeah, Fuck. you guys flies you by. Gotta, I know. Plus I like to talk a lot too. So. Well, that's the thing then. You're you can't tell me where your junior team is. Are you, can you be are you going to be in the area? Somewhat, you know, you can't say that. Yeah, if you're yeah. going to be in the area. Like, I'll you, still be living in Halifax. Okay, perfect. So then, yeah, you come back on anytime. Like, if yes. you got stories like this for days, unlimited stories, that's what a podcast is for. So, yeah, so I don't want people to get bored. Oh, you well, if, if you got more, we'll keep, we're not going to recycle any. <laughs> no, we'll just no, keep going absolutely not. Yeah, but, you know, I don't want to be like once a week I'm coming on and oh, just well, ripping. Yeah, we'll spread it every couple sure. months. Yeah. And then you also got to drop my name for the Italy trip next year. Yeah, we'll get we'll get you in there. We'll uh, we'll see what we can do. Get I some know. interviews done. Hey. Anyway, yeah, and I mean he's got some so some of his group leaders, like some of the young kids that help out like and stay in the hotels with kids, like there's one kid um plays on the Italian national team, but he's playing junior in Finland. Sick. Yeah, like he's legit. So there's some uh, plus, good skill there. Though. Oh, yeah. Plus the, like, so Italy's hosting the Olympics in 2026, right? The Winter Games, I think it is. Unreal. So now they've, they've now they're dumping money back into hockey, right? So they developed an under-25 team for this year so they can start identifying, like, different age groups, right? Like the pro guys, then the under-25 guys, then the world junior guys, okay. right? So it's like we need to start making sure that in, you know, in five, six years, We've got a pool of 30 guys that are going to be able to compete. That's cool. Right. So, I mean, like, so, I mean, like I, and I mean, the one guy, Fabian Castellator, Castelletter, he's the kid that plays in Finland. Like he's been sending me messages on WhatsApp. Like I worked with him one-on-one for three or four days, like at the end of the day, like, you know, I was done at four. So, you know, I was like, oh, Hey man, throw time. your gear on. You and I will work together. He's a D man. And we will work together for a half hour, 40 minutes at the end of the day. And then, so he's been WhatsApping me and asking questions or whatever. So, I mean, again, like never, ever would I turn my back on someone I'm working with, especially someone that wants to exactly, learn. Exactly. Right. Like, and you never know what people's finances are, what the family situation is like, but you know, he's very, again, ambitious and wants to 
play pro hockey or wants to at least go to school possibly if he can go to the you know north american go you know prep school yeah. or ncaa or and something the connections you have too that you could hook him up with here right so i mean he's and he's a legit player right but then you get on the flip side of that so i'm sitting there talking to him and then you get some parent of some some kid who's not good but they've got the pockets and they're like how do i get my kid there what do i got to do i'm like well, your kid's got to get better <laughs> but you can't say that stuff because you got to be political now that's like and again yeah. we talk about like the changes of what of Dude. the game and life and how you communicate that i was talking to do you know who brad mccharles is the goalie yeah, coach i was talking sure, to yeah. him about that and he's like man the biggest problem i have sometimes is parents he's like well why isn't my kid why isn't his uh, trapper good enough? Why can't he catch those pucks? And he's, he's just not like, strong enough for he well, can't. But that's the thing. Yeah. He can't say that. Oh, he's like, well, yeah, you know, it's my fault. I'll make sure it's better next time. You no, know, you can't just name. say yeah. your kid sucks. Yeah, because but at the end of the day, it's like I'll have that. Like when I was coaching, I'll have that conversation with the kid and be like, you know, hey, come into my office or, you know, we're on the road and we're doing video or whatever. I'll get a couple of guys to hang back after. And once the team clears up, like, boys, listen. Yeah. I'm not saying you guys can't be on the power play, but if you're going to be, here's what you got to improve. Here's what you got to do. And that's fair. And I'll have the honest conversation with the kid. But I found, too, that kids today, they don't want to share things with their parents or they don't want to share the entire truth really? for fear of mom and dad either stepping in and calling their coach or their teacher or whoever or for fear of maybe dad saying he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. You're better than that. You do what I say. That's fair. Right? I can Not, understand that. So, I mean, it puts a kid in a tough spot, and especially when there's money involved. A place like prep school where you're shelling out anywhere from forty to $60,000 a year for school, right? So it's like... Yeah, my kid's going to make the NHL. Yeah, you got to respect yeah. that mom and dad are shelling out that kind of money. However... Yeah they need to, you need to set a line that they show some respect that, Hey, they don't know more than you about hockey or they don't know more about yeah. whatever than, than the next person. Right. Like yeah. you're an accountant, you worry about that. I'm a hockey coach. I'll worry about that type thing. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah, yeah, let's, uh, let's end her there and keep the, keep the fans wanting more, uh, more Mike coach. And we'll, uh, we'll try to get back in here whenever you After want training camp oh yeah we'll get before christmas for sure oh yeah but for sure we'll get you in here i'll try to get uh well we'll make a tentative plan for when uh, marty comes over in the fall oh he's coming in the fall we're gonna try to bring him in the fall because i know donald wants him to do some work for him okay um donald's got a business like an after school program where you know a lot of activities and things like yeah, that so he's coming uh, Marty's going to do some work for his website and stuff like that. So we're going to bring him over. And then that's what I mean. We'll introduce him. Like I'm going to bring him on the bus and he'll come watch a junior A game. And then we'll send him to the Moosehead game. And that'll be exciting we'll really, for him. Yeah. So we'll get him to see kind of like, again, because most uh, part of his camp too, is making sure the parents have stuff to do. Yeah. Right. Cause a lot of these families, they're like, diplomats or ambassadors and work for like the Canadian embassy in Rome, or they work for, you know, the Russian government in Finland, right? So they like, they have a, the money, but B, they have the time where it's like, oh, we're going on vacation. Let's put our kid in a camp and we'll, we'll, we'll travel. Or oh, we'll, we'll check what you're saying. Out, okay. Right? Okay. So okay. Not all the, not all the kids are elite or like going play. It's like, Hey, we live in like, I mean the camp in London, there was a kid from Vietnam. 
So like, you know what I mean? So you want to make sure the parents are doing something. For sure. Little... So, I mean, what better place than Halifax yeah. in the summer, right? You do the Peggy's Cove thing, go down to Lunenburg. Yeah. Like you can go anywhere. You want to, you know, well, you can get buses that take Dude. them. You go to Moosehead training camp game. You go to a Maritime Junior game. Well, that's right? what you're here for. He's probably going to be asking you all these questions. Well, that's about it. So that's do. why There's we're like, instead of like just trying to explain to him on the phone, we're like, Marty, we will fly you over. We'll put you up like you did us. Yeah show them exactly kind of what our standard is and then boom going forward let's do halifax for one year and just see yeah. right maybe it's in 2021 right because we've had the conversation too about me breaking into china or some of these other markets no too way. because he's yeah like the bells and whistles like I'll, I'll send you like the link or whatever like i'll show you some of the videos that he's done just like 30 second clips advertising for the camp like you're gonna be like what Definitely. That's not Tom Duffy's hockey school. <laughs> that's not, you know, that's not yeah. Alan Andrews and in, in PEI, yeah. right? Like, there, it's just a different element that I've never seen with a hockey school. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good. I'm happy. Dude, Thanks I'm again for the, the opportunity to, to have some laughs this early in the morning. I know you got to comb your hair with a pork chop because that thing's <laughs> looking pretty, pretty <laughs> ugly. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta take a shower. I can do anything. Just so everyone, that's, that's this, this, you know what this looks like. This is called running a business by yourself and fucking battling well, through. That's I was what gonna, this looks I was gonna like. say for those of you that don't know, this is early morning. I've got a couple of things on the agenda today, so Belly was kind enough to you know what, Coachy, I'll get up before the sun and. You know, we'll do this interview today. So just so everybody knows, that's the type of guy that the the high button is here. They're willing to accommodate any guest at any time of the day. So anytime. Work before play. Now I'm going to the cottage. I'm going to go have a great time. (laughs) You're not brushing your hair at all. (laughs) All right, everyone listening, thank you very much for joining. I appreciate it. I love each and every one of you. Make sure to go to all of our social media outlets. Like, subscribe, comment, YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, Twitter, Instagram. Coach you once again. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Anytime, man. We're going to have you back. All right, everybody, we're out. I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100% that bitch. Even when I'm crying crazy, yeah, I got boy problems. That's the human in me. Bling, bling, then I solve them. That's the goddess in me. You could have had a bad bitch, not committal. Help you with your career, just a little. You're supposed to hold me down, but you're holding me. I mean, who would wanna hide this? I will never, ever, 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 ever be your side chick. I put the singing single, ain't worried about a ring on my finger. So you can tell your friend, shoot your shot when you see him. It's okay, he already in my DM.
back in a minute. Yeah, yeah. I don't play tag, bitch, I've been it. We don't fuck with lies. Like, I, I, I.